All right, let's go. Let's talk about the Indianapolis Colts on the call-in app. You're here, and you want to talk? Just activate yourself as a caller, and let's go. The Colts on top 16-10, to 10, should be 17-10. to 10, But Jake Verity missed an extra point, which is not good, as he's trying to win that, that uh, starting kicker position from Rodrigo Blankenship. Blankenship, perfect in the first half. But he kind of pulled his extra point to the left a little bit and and uh, got dangerously close to that left upright. That's what he does. He kind of pulls to the left, and, and he's continuing to. And, and we hope this situation gets rectified because, as we've said before, and we've said this a bunch of times, the uh, in the playoffs, it comes down to field goals. And you get to the divisional round of the playoffs last year in the NFL – Four divisional playoff team or playoff games, right? Three were decided by three points, and the other was decided in overtime. So you have got to get to where you make kicks. So the fourth quarter begins, and uh, you know it, we're not going to call play by play because that would be unfair to Greg Rakestraw and Matt Taylor and Joe Wrights and the great Rick Venturi as they call games as they call the game. But what have we seen? What did we see in the first half from the starters? We saw some pretty good things. They were okay. We saw Isaiah Rogers. I'll tell you what, this pisses me off. Really makes me mad that a guy in the preseason is going to earhole Isaiah Rogers from deeper out of bounds than Isaiah Rogers was. And so it doesn't get called as a penalty. If you're an official, look, here's why the rules exist, to keep players safe. And if the rules aren't going to keep players safe, then by God, players got to keep players safe. And that means that if Johnson gets the ball, as he did, and E.J. Speed just completely cleaned his clock, that's what's got to happen. That's how you teach people not to hit, as he did. And and so you have got to, uh, you have got to find a way to disincent those who are going to be bad actors. And, and hit your guys and cause a head injury during a first preseason game, a guy who's got a pick and a, a fumble recovery, for God's sake. You got something to say? Say it. Activate yourself as a uh, uh, as a caller. Ethan Fernea with a catch. We like Ethan Fernea. I got to tell you the truth. I like him a lot. And and he was one of those guys in minicamp and OTAs where you watched, and you said, who the hell is seven? You know, I don't know who's seven. Who's Ethan Fernea? And then you look up his story. You're like, oh, all right, UCLA. He's a walk-on at UCLA. Finds his way into camp, and all of a sudden, he's doing big work. So let's go to uh, let's go to Paul. What do you think of what you've seen so far, Paul? Make sure and unmute yourself as we watch his fourth quarter together. What have you seen? What have you liked? What don't you like? Uh, well, what I really like is uh, Nick Cross. He he, he yeah. made some nice run stops, and um, he just looks like he has an awareness beyond that of a rookie out there. So that, that I thought, was a real bright spot uh, early on. And, of course, Jelani Woods, man, that, that touchdown that uh, uh, Sam threw to him, can you, can you just see the fun that Matt Ryan could have in the red zone? You know, nobody over the years has utilized tight ends as well as Matt yeah. Ryan has, whether it was Gonzalez or or whether it was Tammy or any of the guys, Hurst and, and last year Kyle Pitts. 
nobody's u- utilized tight ends as, as Matt has. And yeah. as you look at it, the way he's worked with Kylan Granson so far in camp and OTAs and, and now into this first preseason game, Mo Ali Cox, Jelani Woods, uh, Drew Ogletree, these are, are really interesting targets for him. I couldn't agree more with you. Uh, what do you think about them running Naheem Hines as much as they did? Um, I guess. I mean, if, if JT's not playing, but, um, yeah, I, I'd have liked to have seen a little bit more. Of course, they're not going to show much in the preseason. Right. And we know he's going to be utilized in the passing game, it sounds like. Um, but, you know, I mean, it, it's okay, but, um, you know, let's be careful with these starters. You know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you got guys on the other side that are trying to make a team. And like you were saying about that that hit on, uh, uh, was it Rogers? Yeah. You know, uh, you, you got to be careful. And uh, it, it got a little hairy there on those blitzes, too. I mean, Buffalo, yeah, uh, they're, they don't fool around on defense. They're going to be a tough squad. Uh, let, me, uh, let me ask you, I, I thought Ryman had a solid outing for himself. Not, not bad. I, I thought he was time. okay. Thanks for the call, Paul. Sure. It, it's really, really hard to figure out whether a guy is is playing at a high level. As you try to compare like Bernard Ryman and Matt Pryor, you, you look at, at those guys, they're playing against different people during the game. So you're not really sure, and neither of them are ones, right, the defensive ends that those guys are trying to block. So trying to discern whether Pryor's ahead of Ryman or Ryman ahead of Pryor, I think it's really difficult to figure. You know, if you're going up against a defensive end who is a game, if you're going, let's say, Khalil Mack, all right, you're going up against Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack's going to be a hell of a lot different from the uh, the defensive end that these guys are facing in Buffalo, who's a second or third string guy. If they activate yourself as a caller if you want to talk. And uh, Matt, how are you this afternoon? Uh, make sure and un- unmute yourself. What do you think about the game so far? Hey, Kent. Thanks for doing this. So one of the things that I actually thought after watching you at halftime was I actually disagreed with your takes about Matt Ryan. I thought he didn't look too good. I thought his arm kind of looked like a peace shooter, especially that tight coverage throw that he had to uh, Pittman in the first quarter that uh, ended the drive. I also thought that he didn't look like he trusted his receivers. I thought he held on to the ball a little bit long, and I thought he looked old. Interesting. Interesting. Thank you for the call, Matt. I, I appreciate it. Um, I, I don't, I didn't see him like that. I, uh, you know, I got to tell you the truth. I watching him in camp. I think his arm is exactly what his arm has been. I think his mobility was really pretty good. He was able to escape pressure in the pocket. Uh, I thought that the balls that he delivered, you're playing against a defense. that's going to get up and they're going to play man coverage right in your ass. You know what I mean? They're going to line up across from you and make it very, very difficult for you to get clearance uh, off the line. You saw that with Pierce. And and even at that, uh, Matt Ryan wound up being 6 of 10 for 58 yards. 5.8 yards per attempt is not going to get it done. If, if this was a regular season game, that would be problematic. But as a preseason game, I don't see it as a problem. I think that uh, Matt Ryan was what Matt Ryan is going to be in the first preseason game. We'll see what he looks like in the two uh, joint practices against and with, I guess, as importantly, the Detroit Lions. He's not going to play 
next Saturday at home against uh, the Lions. So we'll see what they do. And, uh, hey, how about that? Uh, an interception for Sterling Weatherford, the uh, the Morris Reservoir All-Star, as Rick Venturi calls him. Uh, a, a terrific kid, went to Hamilton Heights and, and now kind of living his dream, playing in camp, and, and has a really, really nice moment. He, he seems like he would be a really good candidate for the practice squad as a rookie. And we'll see if that happens, but very, very cool that he pulls down the interception. I, I think that Ryan's going to be fine. I, I think that Ryan is very, very similar to Philip Rivers in this respect. These guys are getting fresh starts after playing for bad teams. Rivers coming over from the Chargers, who was actually pretty good two years prior to coming over to the Colts. The year before, the Chargers weren't very good at all. Uh, the last four years, the Falcons haven't been very good. They haven't had a good defense. Their offensive line has been questionable. Last year, he lost Julio Jones. And then he lost, uh, you know, uh, arguably a, a really, really good weapon uh, of his uh, wide receiver needed to step away from football for a while. And and really, it was just he, Corderell Patterson, and and then Pitts, and, and hoping for the best. I think his arm looked okay. I don't think he's sure of what he's dealing with, with his receivers, to to your point, Matt. But that's because they haven't played together. They haven't faced real fire yet. They, they've only played against themselves. Today's really the first time where they're going against somebody else who has prepared at least in part to play against them. And so I, I think that Matt Ryan and his receivers are going to get on the same page. I, I, I think Pierce had a nice day, had a couple of catches. I think Pittman had a nice day, showed you what he can do, kind of on a bubble screen, nice. I think Naheem Hines was was fairly decent, and, and so you scored three points. You know what I mean? The offense scored three points, really. And, uh, you know, I thought that Nick Foles didn't look good. I never think that Nick Foles looks good. Uh, he looked good for a very brief window in Philadelphia as they won a Super Bowl. And other than that, over the last few years, hell, the Chicago Bears didn't even want him with, you know, with the team. Um, I, I think that he's a competent backup, but if he's got to play meaningful snaps, that's problematic. Um, I, I like the way, like I said, that Ryan moved. And I think in a game where things matter, He's going to be able to deliver the ball where he needs to, when he needs to, two guys that he needs to. And if he can't, you got G JT there as a, a guy who put to, put up 1,811 yards last year. Hey, you got to want to talk. If, if you're listening and you want to talk, talk. Let's go. Uh, activate yourself as a caller. And, and when I call on you, make sure that you have unmuted yourself. We got a lot of people in the room. So uh, let's talk. This is about participation, not just me. You know, it, it's kind of like this. This is sort of like football. Um, I'm sort of the quarterback, but I need people to throw it to and to carry the ball. I can't just run around all day like Michael Vick or Vince Young or somebody. You know, we, we got to get uh, get you involved. Let's uh, let's go to Gary. Gary, make sure to unmute yourself. Uh, what do you think you have seen so far from the Colts? as we uh, kind of matriculate through this fourth quarter? Uh, I see a, a lot of guys that are standing out. What I've already been listening to as I'm watching the game right now, I'm kind of getting distracted. 
Um, I think it's just we're going to have to see a little bit more development in the coming weeks. I think some people have shined bright. And uh, as far as, like, you know, uh, risk to injury, as far as, like, where Isaiah Rogers is at, uh, hopefully we can avoid that uh, is all I'm really worried about. The one thing that has really kind of stuck in my mind, and I hate to talk about the other team, but – this kid, Ariza, the punter, did anybody yeah. see this kid hit that 82-yard punt? I mean, it literally, he kicked it, I think, from the 8-yard line, and it rolled back for a touchback. Uh, I don't know if that set a record or not. Uh, I think it kind of reminded me of Happy Gilmore uh, with the golf club. You know, uh, I, 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 I must have watched the play like five, six times, and every time you could hear the crowd the announcers, yeah. they all reacted to that punt. Uh, anyway, that's 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 all that's kind of really uh, stuck in my mind. Sorry, Kent. I got Thanks, nothing else. Gary, I appreciate it. Good, good call. Uh, Ariza, uh, as I saw him, I, I thought, you know what? This is a guy who holds on to the ball too long. He's going to get kicks blocked. When he hits him, I, my God, it, it was. It was like Bryson DeChambeau watching him play golf, although we can't anymore because he's on the live tour. Uh, but holy cow, that guy winds up and hits it a mile. And, and you could not only hear the crowd, you could hear the foot on the ball just sounded explosive. Uh, let's go to James. How you doing this afternoon? What do you think of the game so far, James? How are your Colts looking? James, are you there? All right. Hey, as we wait for James, uh, Yannick Ngakwe right now on TV is talking to Lara Overton, New Albany High School graduate Lara Overton, by the way. And Yannick Ngakwe is a tremendous touchdown Colts. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe, follow him on Twitter. He is really, really funny, and he's a terrific guy, and he responds constantly to the people who tweet back to him. Uh, very, very communal guy. Really a lot of fun. I enjoy Yannick Ngakwe as a social media guy in town. Seems like he wants to be liked here in Indianapolis, and that's half the battle. If you want to be liked by Indianapolis, Indianapolis is going to like you if you're competent at your job. That's just the way it is. By the way, Jacobson with a touchdown for the Colts here, now up 22-10. to 10. James, are you there? Yes. What do you, what do you think so far of, uh, of your Colts, now with a 22-10 lead? Well, it's, it troubles me that the Bills, you know, if they had had their first string out there, it might be a little bit closer, but I'm. I'm... James, we're losing you a little bit. So, uh, but I get your point. And uh, that it, usually, like, I, I think it's a good idea for the head coaches to kind of get on the horn to one another. And as they schedule these games to get on the horn, get on the phone and say, look, you know, we need you to play like that. Can you, can you give us starters for a quarter? We'll play our store starters and, and kind of have a bit of a, uh, a bit of an agreement exactly what you're going to be able to do and how you're going to be able to do it and how you're going to be able to compete. Um, What I don't want in one of these preseason games is exactly what happened. I don't want guys trying to make the team by, uh, you know, kind of building their reputation against starters. You know what I mean? Back markers, roster back markers going after starters to try to impress coaches with how tough they are. You don't need that kind of action uh, on a day like today, a first preseason game. 
and that's kind of what you get. You know, you when you play starters against starters, these guys going to take care of themselves a little bit. These guys are making their money. They've got their contracts. They've made the roster in large part. And and so they don't need to go head hunting and and they don't need to go out and prove they're tough and and try to get coaches to buy into their level of toughness. And and when you've got backups playing against starters, sometimes that can happen and I don't like it. Hey, activate yourself as a caller. We're we're going to do this um we're trying to figure out how to do this best on the call-in app, but I dig it. I, this is like uh, hosting a, a talk radio uh, show again and being caller-intensive, and and I dig that. So if you got something to say, I want to hear from you. Let's talk to James. Uh, James, how you doing? Make sure and unmute yourself, by the way. And uh, what do you think of your Colts and, and how they've played uh, so far on this uh, rather dark and kind of dismal uh, day in central Indiana. Look, I'd like to say I like, I really like Sam Ellinger. It might be the only one, but maybe that's why he's still around. But I've always liked Sam and I like what Alex Pierce is doing. You know, I, the third string quarterback always gets love, no matter where it is. If people think it's kind of unique to Indianapolis, it's not. We loved Chad Kelly back in the day. We loved, remember, Kelly Holcomb. Hell, we loved Kelly Holcomb back in the day. We love Sam Ellinger because Sam Ellinger can move a little bit. He competes. He, he gets the ball to guys where they can catch it. And, and he's really good at reading the game, just as he was at Texas. I like him, too. And, and if the Colts didn't like him, he'd be gone. I, I think that they like Jack Cohn as well. And, and this is going to be interesting to see who they keep and whether they keep Jack Cohn on the practice squad, maybe they practice squad both those guys. I don't think that Ellinger is a starting quarterback in the NFL, but he's a lot of fun to watch in the preseason. And if they needed kind of a change of pace guy, if if, if Matt Ryan went down, I think that Sam Ellinger could manage a game well enough to be able to win it. What do you think? I will take your silence as uh, – as a uh, an accommodation of my point. Uh, thanks for the call, James. Appreciate it. Um, activate. There we go. There's Andrew. How you doing, Andrew? Uh, what do you think of your Colts so far? With uh, just over ten minutes left to go in the game, they're up twenty four ten. How about that? How about that? Oh, I I love it. I don't think it means a whole lot, but I do want to say that I think the tight ends, although we may not have an, you know. Uh, all NFL tight end on the roster right at the moment. I think these guys together are going to look really good and work out wonderfully. You know, I think you make a, a really good point, and it's one I've made on on a couple of breakfast with Kent, and that's in the aggregate. These four tight ends, I think, have a chance to be as good as a guy like Kyle Pitts or a guy like Travis Kelsey or George Kittle. That these guys. The four of them combined could put up 100 catches and 1,200 yards. You don't need one guy to do it, but you got to find a way to get it out of all four. And I think all the all four of these guys are capable. Exactly. I think they're going to work wonderfully together. Their size is going to look great on the field when they're up against corners all season long. And you saw it with Jelani Woods on that touchdown catch. You know, it, it, Sam Ellinger just kind of, 
uh, kept the play alive and kept it alive and then threw it up in the air where only Jelani Woods could get it, and he did get it, and he winds up scoring the touchdown, and, and good for him. And then another tight end, Jacobson, winds up getting a touchdown catch too, which is he is not going to make the roster, by the way. There is no chance that they're going to keep a fifth guy. I, I don't know what they're going to do with the fourth guy. The fifth guy isn't going to make it. Maybe they practice squad him. I don't think that they would. Uh, I, I don't think you'd be in danger of losing the guy uh, via because what you do when you practice squad a guy, you got to wave him first. And it, if you wave him, it, they teams have a chance to claim him on waivers. And then once he clears waivers, you can sign him to the practice squad. And and the I if you're an opposing GM, if you're one of the the other thirty one guys. And, and the Colts turn loose either Granson or Ogletree and expose either of those guys on the waiver wire, they're going to get picked up immediately by somebody. Those guys are really, really good and, uh, and are showing it today. I think Ogletree looked good. Haven't seen a lot of Mo Ali Cox. I, did he get a catch early in the game? I'm, I don't think that he did. But you, you have seen Granson. And uh, you, you've seen Woods do some work and, and Woods doing work in the, in the second half. So, uh, but good stuff from the tight end position. Sam Ellinger, by the way, right now, 10 of 11 for 88 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. His passer rating is uh, uh, 139.6. So that's not altogether bad. Plus, he's got four carries for 24 yards. Um, let's see, Ali Cox, no catches for Mo Ali Cox, two for Granson, two for Woods with a touchdown, uh, Jacobson, one and a touchdown, Ogletree, one for five yards. And, uh, so let's talk to Andrew. How you doing, Andrew? Make sure to unmute yourself. A follow-up question to what we were just talking about is, sure. do you think there's any chance that Mo Ali Cox is the one that gets cut? Uh, you know, that's a, an interesting question. Let me check his contract. There's always the contract uh, to deal with. And and somehow, some way, if uh, they're going to have to pay off a guy who's guaranteed, sometimes that's kind of a big deal uh, for a team who's making that kind of decision. So Mo Ali Cox this year is due uh, $1.2 million in base salary, $5.12 million in a roster bonus, and his dead cap is $8.2 million. Uh, I think that they're they're pretty committed to Mo Ali Cox. That's a financial commitment you don't make to a guy unless you're really sure that you're going to hold on to him. But uh, if you're going to be the fourth tight end and you're going to be rostered, they bet, you know what, it, it had better be a situation where you're good on special teams as well as uh, on the field, because a fourth tight end isn't going to play a hell of a lot with the, uh, you know, with kind of that regular season version of the offense. See, I just wonder if he might have the lowest ceiling of all four of those tight ends. Isn't that interesting? Uh, they've done a really uh, – that sixth-round pick of Andrew Ogletree uh, – just, you know, kind of under the radar in the moment, you saw the size and you know the athleticism because he had been a wide receiver and was kind of new to the tight end position. 
but you thought, okay, sixth round, everybody passed on him at least five times, right? Who is this guy? And you already got Woods, so what are you doing with Ogletree? But if that's why you take best player available. You never really know what you're going to get. Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate it, uh, and, and always enjoy your calls. Um, let's talk to Mike. Uh, Mike, how you doing? Make sure and unmute yourself. How you doing this afternoon? How's it going, Kat? I'm doing good. It's, it's going good. What do you think? So my only concern is every single year, it seems like we consistently start off bad. I think I'm putting that on Frank Reich, not getting the team ready. Well, you know, this goes back. They haven't won an opener since 2013, and they haven't won their first two since 2009 when Jim Caldwell was the coach. So, you know, this kind of predates – it predates Ballard. It predates Reich. And and it certainly hadn't been a good thing. And last year it was really not a good thing starting one and four and then having to win one of the last two, which they didn't do in order to get to the postseason. Um, but what they try to do here, – here's the thing about Reich that kind of drives me crazy, and let me know if you agree with this. I think he outthinks the room. I think he thinks he's real smart. And he's going to game the system somehow or another by, you know, kind of getting them prepared, but tiptoeing toward being prepared. And then for the opener, they're not as good as they're going to be like in week three or week 10 or week 15. And you wind up stacking losses in a way that force you to really go deep in, in sort of that energy sort of stockpile that you got and, and attack the season from week six through 18 and and it becomes very very difficult. I think he does the same thing with the uh, uh, with analytics as far as going for it on fourth down. And you know, hey, it was a strong go from the the MIT guys up in the suite. I I hate all that crap. I the kind of football I like is the kind of football where you just go out and you knock the hell out of the guy across from you, and you beat him physically. And so you don't have to be the smartest team in the world. You're the toughest team in the world. And it doesn't seem like to me that the Colts are ever the toughest team in the world. And I'll extend that further to Matt Eberflus, who's now gone and is going to drive the city of Chicago just nuts because he kind of does the same thing. Where I'm convinced that what he was all about was trying to find a way, being so committed to, to generating turnovers that he would give up first downs. Third and eight, he's set in the zone 12 yards deep, giving him a first down because he's that confident that they're going to be able to take the ball away. And he would prefer a takeaway to a punt. And that's crazy talk. That's insanity on a football field. But I think that that happened periodically to that team. And and it's like the Colts are trying to figure out a way to game the system. And it doesn't work in football. You just knock the hell out of the guy across from you, you win games. What do you think? I totally agree with you, Ken. I mean, he's been doing it since season one. I think, uh, has, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the first season we had Frank Reich, we started one and five. Um, and I, I do agree. He thinks he's the smartest one in the room. And, uh, I mean, the past four years have proved he's not. You know, we've had no success in the playoffs. And it's not the personnel. I mean, he's choosing the personnel each year. So, you know, that's my take. I totally agree. Thanks for the call, Mike. I, hey, I see your, uh, your, your avatar there is Carson. <laughs> I gotta is change that, that ironic? Is that sarcastic? Or are you a big Carson guy? 
It's sarcasm. I like that. Uh, I love that picture he had with Washington in that um, hot dog suit. Call it. <laughs> <laughs> Just thought it was the, pretty funny. The, the poor fans, the poor Commanders fans, like they're they're ardent football fans. They love football, and and they think that Carson is somehow going to be that missing piece of the puzzle that's going to elevate them. And you know, we saw it. Philadelphia saw it. Philadelphia fans tried to school us up last year. We're trying to school up the Washington fans. It's just the the Carson Wentz cycle of educating uh, football fans. I think it's hilarious. I agree. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, Mike. Paul, how you doing? And uh, make sure and unmute yourself. How you doing this afternoon? I'm doing good, Ken. Yeah, just uh, on the subject of, of Frank Reich. Um, look, he's, he's a, he's a player's coach. I guess you, yeah. there's always that, uh, you know, kind of a, a warm and fuzzy between him and his players. And, and he doesn't lack for being an encourager of his players and his team. We know that, but somewhere along the line that there's gotta be a bad cop on that coaching staff or something. Because you know what? I, I think that Matt Ryan's going to fill that role a little bit on the offense. He talked to us, um, you know, and, and it's been a while since we've heard a quarterback for the Colts swear. You know, yeah. Philip Rivers never cusses. Carson right. Wentz never cusses. And Matt Ryan came out and said, hey, sometimes leadership is giving a guy a pat on the back, and sometimes it's a foot in their ass. Yeah, And, yeah. and I almost fell over. Um, But hopefully he's that guy. And I think Gus Bradley is willing to be that guy too. Yeah. Well, they, they need a little bit more of the balance of that on the, either throughout the staff or the leadership of the team. And um, the other thing about right, that I I'm totally with you on the analytics. It, it drives me nuts. And you know, here's, here's a way to analyze what does Bill Belichick do? He knows his yeah. opponent. He knows their weaknesses. And he attacks it like that that lioness that has that weak antelope picked out. And you're in for a long day. And, and you know, I, I'm assuming we they, they, they scout well enough to coach those things and all that. But it just, when, when I hear that analytics stuff, it's like, stop. You know, yeah, and, just, and I don't like it in baseball. I'm, you know, I, I am seeing an event down at down in New Albany for the athletic department uh, last weekend, and I was talking to Goose Gossage, and Goose was the kind of the guy who was there to talk to us about baseball. And we had dinner beforehand, um, and and Goose was talking about analytics and how it's just a horrible thing for the game and how it's it's removed all the beautiful stuff from baseball, and I think that there's a chance that exactly the same thing happens with football, except I don't think it works in football. And so I think that guys like Belichick, who coach, yes, smart, and and understand the game at a crazy high level and know how to prepare a team to go play on Sunday, Yep. Uh, but doesn't, you know, pour over, you know, what he believes to be, you know, uh, I got a 53% advantage doing this as opposed to a 52.6% advantage doing that. He's not that kind of guy. And, and I think that football being an, an 11 on 11 sport of toughness and execution, I think that analytics just flat doesn't work nearly as well in football as it does in either baseball or basketball. 
I agree. Absolutely. Thanks, Thanks very much for the call, Paul. I appreciate it. Let's go to Andrew. How you doing this afternoon, Andrew? Make sure and unmute yourself. I'm doing great, Kent. How are you doing? I'm doing tremendous. This is a lot of fun. I'm enjoying it. Well, I want to add to the coaching comments that everybody's been talking about and say that I think one of the problems with the slow start is that the team has to kick themselves into overdrive and basically be in playoff mode for, you know, 14, you know, 15, 12, you know, 12 games, you know, basically winning. Yep. Is, you know, getting themselves out of a hole of three, four games and they, they have no breathing room whatsoever. And I think that's honestly one of the reasons they, you know, crapped out last season is they had to win game after game after game after game and I'm not giving them an excuse. There's legit reasons why they lost. But when you're asking a team to be in playoff mode for three-fourths of the season because you start out so bad, you're asking a lot of a team. And then you want them to get into the playoffs and still be that good, not in their stride. They've had to be in their stride for the last, you know, three months. I 100% agree with that, and I think that that's exactly what happened against the Raiders and against the Jaguars, and in particular the Jaguars. As we've kind of, and this is what we do, you know, we're not in the locker room. We don't see the sacrifices that these guys make every single day. I mean, we're the, the media gets to be in there, I think, 35 minutes a day is, is the limit. So we get to be in there, and we get to see them a little. But we don't see them in the weight room, and we don't see them on the field and practice too much. And, and understand the sacrifices that these guys make. I guarantee you that the loss in Jacksonville was not due to effort, and it was not due to some kind of change in preparation. It was due to fatigue, and that was on both sides of the ball. And it was especially true on the defensive side of the ball, I believe, because those guys did have to play at such a high level for so long in order to stack those wins and go out and beat teams like Buffalo at Buffalo, 49ers at San Francisco, Cardinals at Arizona. They beat the Patriots. They beat a lot of playoff teams last year because they had to beat those playoff teams last year due to that bad start, and that is going to wear your ass out. I think you're exactly right. And thanks so much for the call, and and thanks for the – that was an astute observation, and I dug it. Colts. Right now, up 24-16, 5-0-1 left in the fourth quarter. We're not going to see so much else. Um, you know, and, and I had a great time. Yeah, yeah, hopefully you had a great time. We're going to do these at least once a week. And, and hopefully, uh, you know, I'll plan on doing it next Saturday during the fourth quarter uh, next week as the Colts take on the Lions without any of their starters. And then the final preseason game against the Bucks. Uh, I, I don't know what we're going to see there. Uh, I don't think Tom Brady, there's no way he plays. I think the Colts will play. I don't really understand talking about Frank Reich a little bit. I don't understand the decision to practice everybody in competitive practices Wednesday and Thursday next week against the Lions. And then you, you play a game Saturday night or Saturday afternoon, and you're not going to play your starters when there are a bunch of people in the stands who paid for the privilege of watching them. I don't understand that at all. That, that's just bizarre to me. Why not sit the starters for one of the practices, have them not practice on Wednesday, but play them in the game on Saturday when you've got people who are shelling out big bucks to come watch? I don't get it. I think that's crazy. I'd, I'd rather have the Colts ready to go on September 11th, whatever that takes, right? 
But it, like to say, we don't need to play on Saturday, play the starters on Saturday against the Lions because we're going to practice against them in a competitive practice both Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, the logic of that, I think, is lacking with Frank Reich, and it bothers me a little bit. So we, we'll keep this going right now. The uh, the Bills are facing a third and two, and they are uh, – where are they? Oh, it's third and goal from the uh, from the two – well, no, it wasn't third and goal. It was, uh, but it's, uh, it's moot as they have scored a touchdown, and now Buffalo trails by two, as though this matters at all. Doesn't matter. I I don't think that they have overtime if if the game's tied at the end of regulation, and and I hope that it's not. It, it, like nobody wants overtime in the preseason. All people want out of the preseason is health. That's what they want. And the guy who scored the touchdown for the Bills uh, kind of had to wrench his knee in order to get to the goal line, and and so he's uh, he's up now. He's limping, but he's up, and uh, you know. Hopefully he gets off the field in a hurry. When I tra- <laughs> That's kind of heartless. When I traveled with the Rams back in 2011 and 2012, all you wanted in the preseason was the game to be over in two and a half hours so you could get your ass to the plane and get home and see your family. Like, that's what you wanted. You want th- wanted these things to go by quickly, and this is going to be more than a three-hour game as a preseason opener. And, and that's just, to me, like I'm all about efficiency. Right. Let's get the hell out of here. Let's get on the plane. Let's get home. And uh, so the uh, the police escorts from the stadium to the airport. That's a big help toward the efficiency. And then uh, flying charter where you just they drop you off the buses and you just haul ass out of the plane. That's also very, very efficient. And I enjoy it. And of course, the bills. They get into the end zone. They tie the game with 3.51 left. It's 24-24. I I just can't bring myself to care what's going to happen these last three and a half minutes. So have a great night. It's Saturday. Go out. Enjoy yourselves. If you're in central Indiana, head out to Ruoff to go see Jason Aldean. Uh, I think the rain's going to hold off. A beautiful night. Nice that the football is going to be done. We can roll out to Ruoff and enjoy a good show. Um, enjoy yourself. And by the way, uh, breakfast with Kent Monday morning, right at about seven o'clock, we do it live. And, uh, then inside Indiana sports. Now we will do, it's going to be a late one because we're going to be at Colts practice. They practice late on, uh, on Monday. And so media availability is like at four, four thirty. So we'll do it shortly after that. Uh, maybe we'll do it live from the, uh, from Grand Park immediately after practice. How about that? All right. Thanks for joining me. Had a great time. Very, very nice. We will uh, we'll talk to you on Monday morning.